Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. all are standing on the shoulders of giants. All the things I know, all the things I tell you here in this Human Technology Podcast, everything that I do for my clients, all these things are not coming out of nothing to me. They're not growing in my brain, but I had the chance to learn a lot from the big guys in usability and user experience. I had the chance to learn from them. What I do is um, I fit it into the expectations of my clients. I put in my own views into things. I enrich it. I combine knowledge from different sources. And that that's what I do to create value for my clients. But the basis, and I mean, I think this is for all the experts um, that are out there. We are learning from the people that were before us, improve the knowledge, apply it, refine it, hone it, and then we put it out and do something either for our companies, for our clients, for our customers, for our users. This is the normal way we do it. This is the reason why I want to talk about one of the big, big guys out of usability and user experience. He is one of one of the old guys, and uh, he is he, he he did a lot of things that I'm using. You in, in in his books, you will find a lot of thoughts that I'm using or reusing, or that build the ground I'm standing on, on the thoughts that I have um, are. In some kind, some cases, sometimes heavily driven by Donald A. Norman. He is a psychologist. Um, he is in cognitive science, and first of all, he is a usability and user experience expert. So he is into user-friendly products, systems, HMIs, human machine interfaces. This is the world he is in, and this is what, yeah, he, he is thinking about and, and, and working on all the time. He was born on December 25 in 1935 in Chicago, Illinois. He studied uh, electronics and electrophysics at the MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Made his bachelor there, and he got a PhD in psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. 
He moved on and remained in uh, academic and uh, was, was teaching at universities like uh, University of California, San Diego, the Northwestern University. He founded the Cognitive Science Program at the University of uh, California. And together with uh, Jacob Nielsen, um, another one of big guys in usability and user experience. Maybe I, maybe I should make another episode uh, uh, on Jacob Nielsen in, in the future. But uh, Nielsen and Norman founded the NNG, the Nielsen-Norman Group, one of the uh, most famous and most successful companies in the area of usability and user experience. And Opposed to me, I'm working uh, a lot in automotive. They have um, work in many different domains, from household goods, consumer products, websites, to cockpits and cars. And so, so they are basically everywhere. And um, Donald Norman has a sustainable influence on designing products, user interfaces in the entire technology industry. Again, he 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 also was was standing on or is standing on the shoulders of giants. So there have been guys before talking about human factors, talking about. Uh, usability and I mean user experience is a pretty new term but but human factors is, is far older um, than um, the work of, of uh, Donald Norman but uh, he influenced uh, most of us today heavily and uh, if it is about products if it's about HMIs user interfaces then he is one of the first guys that really drilled it down that really put it out that really set a ground we all can stand on. So he is on usability engineering, human-computer interaction, um, a lot of the concept development. This is his main work. He also was active, is active in cognitive sciences. Uh, he worked, and I will talk a little later about this, uh, about mental models. And... Uh, he talked about attention and cognition. This is the work it is. And um, but what I will do is he has uh, written many, many, many books. And I think all of them are somehow important. All of them are worth reading. I will focus on three books today. Summarize them, command them, analyze them. The first one is The Design of Everyday Things, uh, which was his first book from uh, 1988. And uh, that, that set the ground, that set the pace, and it is basically about usability. And the second book uh, is from 2004, the second book I want to talk about, not his second book, the second book I'd like to talk about is Emotional Design, Why We Love or Hate Everyday Things. And this opposed to the first one is focusing more on user experience, the emotional part. So between 88 and 2004, he found out that uh, 
he is uh, that, that there is more than just usability that there is emotion in humans and that this influences the way we interact with technology and so um, yeah he wrote this book on this one and the third one is the design of future things that's the third book of donald norman i would like to have a closer look at here this book is from 2007 with this uh, and, and it is about future things when i ran through it uh, to to prepare this uh, podcast episode i found out that even though this book is 15 years old more than 15 years old a lot of the things he was talking about are still relevant today they they are valid they they can still teach us to think about what's next in technology and what's next in in uh, uh, human machine interfaces one footnote um, the new the latest book of, of Donald Norman is not included here he has a new one out since a couple of weeks or months to be honest, I have not yet read it, so I will not talk about it. Um, I will not talk about a book I have not read. But it is on, on the very top of my reading list. And uh, once I have read it, I will definitely let you know what I think about it. Um, but give me a, give me a few weeks um, to, to, to work myself into it. Um, second footnote is all these books are available in English. Um, I needed to make this one, this uh, remark in the German uh, version of this podcast. Uh, they're available in a few languages, but not in German. I'm not, I don't know why. There is a big usability user experience community, but, and this goes also for the, for you, the English listeners. Um, the books are written in a comparably easy way, easy to understand. It's not highly scientific stuff. It's not super complex. I mean, the things they're talking about, they are super complex. But the language is comparably easy to understand. So those of you that are not native English speakers... Don't hesitate to get an English version if it's not available in your language... If you speak a proper English and if you listen to this podcast and you can understand it, I think you will not have a problem understanding these books. All right, let's get into it. First book to talk about, The Design of Everyday Things. The original title was The Psychology of Everyday Things. And I, I don't know who made this change from The Psychology of Everyday Things to The Design of Everyday Things. But it, it was a super smart move to do this. If you believe that there is a psychology of everyday things, you put psychology, psychological activity, mental cognitive activity into things which is, from my point of view, not the right thing. Humans, we have a psychology, but not things. But if it's about the design of everyday things, that gives the control back to us as humans, to us as designers, to us as people that create products. And so I don't know whether there was any intention behind this or whether this was just for some reason, I don't know. But 
was a very smart move because it perfectly fits the idea I'm having. And I think Donald Norman is having, or I know Donald Norman is having this as well, that we can design things, that we are in the driver's seat. And so the title design of everything, of everyday things, is the far better title of this book. And it's from 88. It is uh, 1988. It is, without any doubt, the most famous work of, of Norman. And um, it has changed the idea of how to design everyday things and user interfaces and technologies. And yeah, let's run through the book. It starts with the idea that many things in our everyday life are designed in a way that they create confusion and frustration. And this was true in 1988, um, far more than it is today, but it is still valid today. Those of you listening to my, my podcast regularly know that um, I, for example, have huge problems in connecting my iPhone to a head unit in a rental car. I talked a lot about this and this is confusing and this is frustrating and this is not what we expect if we interact with technology. And all this is not based on stupidity or inability of humans. Maybe they are a little stupid and maybe they are not very well trained in all this. But the design of these products, they, that has to be as good as somehow possible to avoid users feeling dumb, stupid, incapable, incompetent. All this should not happen. And this is on the design side. It's not on the human side. And for that, he introduces uh, the idea of affordance, which is basically the self-descriptiveness of a technology. So in, in the ISO 9241, um, there is the idea of self-descriptiveness, which pretty much matches the idea of affordance. Donald Norman introduces it. So a design shall tell a user what to do, how to do it, how to do it right, and what has happened and why things happen in a certain interaction. Second point, Norman focuses on the meaning of or the role of feedback in user interaction. So users shall tell the users or shall give the users a clear feedback about what's happening right now and what's going to happen if I take this action. So missing, inconsistent or late feedback will lead to confusion. And when I was at Harman, we talked for a certain device. How long do we have until a user needs to get a feedback? For example, on a button press, that there's a beep tone or the button changes. And uh, we, we talked about 250 milliseconds, which is a quarter of a second. And already that is too late for feedback. That's too long. The system feels somehow sticky and, and, and uncomfortable. And so the idea of giving a correctly timed of giving it all feedback and consistent feedback, um, that is definitely something Norman is focusing on. And then he talks about mental models. I will talk about little mental models in a few minutes a little later. 
Um, but that's basically the idea that a user forms a mental model of how an HMI, of how a technology, of how a system, of how a website, a smartphone should work, of what happens if I do something. And a good design shall support the mental model of the user. So Norman um, talks in uh, The Design of Everything things about a lot of everyday things, as the title says, like door handles, uh, light switches, telephones, ovens, and all these things. And yeah, for example, door handles. You can design a door handle in a way that it communicates push me or pull me, or it does not communicate at all, or it's invisible. Yeah, and all these things have consequences. If you have to push a door and the door handle says push me, then it's okay. If you have to push a door and the door handle says pull me, it is designed in a wrong way. And he starts with all these very basic things telling us of uh, what our colleagues in earlier times have done wrong. The design of products and user interfaces shall not only be about functionality, but also about the needs and expectations of the users. So the psychological side, the psychology of the user, the, the mental, the cognitive side for brains, that is a concept to ensure that products and interfaces are intuitive and user-friendly. So let's get a little deeper into a couple of uh, aspects I have already mentioned, but that are discussed deeply in this book. The first concept is affordance. Now, as I said, this is very similar um, to the idea of self-descriptiveness. And this is a basic concept, the basic idea in HMI and human machine interface design. So there, there shall be natural and easy to understand intuitive uh, hints for the users to ease the human technology interaction, to, to ease reaching the target a human wants to have when interacting with technology. I already talked about these door handles. Yeah, so if it needs to be pulled, it shall communicate. Pull me and not press me. This is or push me. And this this is if I talk about it, it seems so easy and so obvious. But in many cases, and if we talk about digital HMIs on screens and cars, becomes even more obvious that very often the system does not tell me what to do and how to do this. Feedback also, um, there's a lot about, about this in ISO 9241. So a system needs to give you feedback, needs to give the user the appropriate feedback and the user interaction. So if a user performs an action with a system, the system needs to react immediately and it needs to show that the action was recognized. That's one or part of the feedback. And then it needs to show me, okay, you have done this, you have done that. And then um, you need to ensure that this feedback is 
properly displayed. Third concept uh, out of the design of everything, uh, of everyday things, is the mental models. I have no idea uh, whether Donald Norman introduced this concept of mental models or whether he took this from some other scientist, contacts, researcher. I have no idea. But it is a very important concept. We all have, if we approach a technology, a certain idea of how it should work, what it should do, and what it can do. And we have a mental model, an idea about how we can interact with the system, how we can reach our targets, how we can do the things we want to do with this technology. And the problem here is, I mean, if, if we say, hey, um, I have a mental model of this one and how it should do, and I'm going to reflect this into a system, into an HMI, and it will be then easy to understand for everyone else. The big problem is that everyone has different mental models. And with one HMI, we will not be able to meet every single mental model. But we have to be aware that technology guys that uh, designers, that UX, UI designers, usability experts, that I and probably you have, uh, we all have different a different kind of mental model of a system than the ordinary Jane and Joe, than everybody else out there, than our users that, that we need to somehow meet and match. And the big problem is that the mental models of the developers are very often reflected very well in a product, but that they are not that, that they do not that these products do not reflect the mental models of the users. And as I said, there is a huge difference between a technician's mental model of a technology and a user's mental model of a technology. And so this is. Um, yeah, we, we need to take care about this. And we need to learn a lot about the mental models of users to design technology in an appropriate way. And that, that takes us to the fourth point, which is the psychology of the user. We as developers, we need to have a deep understanding about how humans function, of how our users function, and how we can, and this is the art that, that we know opposed to, to others, how to turn this knowledge into a concrete solution, into a solution we can bring to the market. And to create products that the majority of users finds natural to use, intuitive to use, easy to use. So we need to meet the natural abilities, and natural abilities, what we bring in uh, as humans um, of, of, of the users. All right, so the book, uh, The Design of Everyday Things, had an enormous influence on designers, engineers, uh, UX experts, uh, about all the user experiences uh, we may have. It is a timeless classic. You can read it, although it is uh, 88, 30 years old, 35 years old now. Um, but you can read it. You can. It's still worth reading it. Uh, it still contains a lot of information that you can use. 
Let's move on to the second book of Donald Norman I'd like to talk about. This is Why We Love or Hate Everyday Things. And from the title you can already see it is getting emotional now. So it was published in 2004. And in this book Norman expands his research on, on user friendliness, on usability, on product design by focusing on the role of emotions in the design of products and user interfaces. So it is not about functionality. So design shall not only be functional, it shall also be user-friendly and it shall raise the right, the correct emotions in the users. And he defines three levels of emotional designs, visceral, behavioral, and reflective. Let's run through this. Visceral is the first reaction you have towards a product. You see something and you love it or you hate it. It's deeply inherent in us and it's a deeply emotional reaction. And it may depend on the aesthetic of a product, yeah? the, the shape, the form it is having, the colors, the texture, the materials on the surface. If you love that, if you see it, your first reaction is, hey, what a cool thing. And this is very often in cars, we see them from the outside. We say, yeah, this is a cool car. I want to drive that. You get into a car, you love the materials, you love the surfaces that you have in there. So this is the visceral emotion that you have. That's the very first impression that a product creates in a user. The second level is the behavioral level. And this is focusing on the core interaction. If you work with a device and you have a certain behavior towards the product and you feel, hey, this is smooth and this is easy and this is pleasant to use, this is satisfying me, that is a good emotion, a good emotional design on the behavioral level. It's the fun that you get while using a product, the fun that you get out of using a well-designed human-machine interface. And this creates, at the very end, a positive emotional connotation. The third level is the reflective level. And this is the interpretation and the meaning of an experience a user has with a product or an HMI or a technology. So you can create a fulfilling emotion, the feeling of identification. And this comes very often after, this is why it's recorded reflectors, after the, uh, after the use. You feel, hey, yes, this was a cool thing, and, and, and yes, I felt good, and yes, I love this brand, and, and uh, because it always serves me products and HMIs and designs that, that uh, make me feel good. And it influences my life. It is a good thing to have this in my life. And this then... Uh, also creates a continuous, a sustainable emotional connection. So Norman believes that um, the users 
are not only seeking functional products, but also those that give them joy, satisfaction, positive emotions. And in the end of the book, he discusses the beauty in design, like aesthetic uh, and, and the emotional reaction on certain aesthetic uh, parameters um, that, that you can have in there. Yeah, so that that is um, that was the second book, um, which uh, is called the uh, Why We Lo Emotional Design: Why We Love or Hate Everyday Things. Um, so um, that is very much user experienced uh, focused. And the third book I would like to have an eye on is uh, the Design of Future Things. And as I said already, it is it was written in two thousand and seven. And he looked from 2007 into the future. And keep in mind, 2007 is the year when the first iPhone was uh, on the market. So it is long ago from our point of view. And what surprised me and shocked me a little is that this book is still very valid. It is still containing a lot of ideas. Not every idea, but many ideas that um, have a high value even today. And he sees um, a couple of um, areas, a couple of domains uh, where we will have a, yeah, where, where future HMIs, where future HMI design plays a relevant role. That is networked world, that is the Internet of Things, the connectivity of things. That is, um, yeah. To, to get back to the networked world and to the Internet of Things, when I talk to a client today about an HMI concept that they want me to do for them, that they want me to, to realize for them, to think about for them, it is usually not one single device. It is not just a cluster instrument. It's not just a head-up display. It's not just a cluster instrument. It's... It is including all the three uh, in-vehicle instances that we have. It is about um, smartphone apps, about web applications, about charger HMIs, and to create this complex ecosystem. And Norman has foreseen this in 2007, that we get, live in a more and more networked world, and that we have more and more things that work together and should create the idea of this feels like it is one. Um, and so this, this, this is a core thing. Second thing, uh, or next point is natural interaction and artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is one of the big game changers in uh, uh, automotive HMIs and any kind of HMI. And we will hopefully get to the point where we have a natural interaction. Norman identifies cars and vehicles and all kinds of mobility devices um, as a core um, that technology HMIs shall support the driver, for example, in autonomous driving. One of the biggest things today at the moment with automated driving and at the end autonomous driving, we rearrange, we redesign the core relationship between a driver and a car. And this will have consequences clearly visible 
drastic consequences on the HMI. He talks about aircrafts and, and flying devices. In aviation, we have a far higher level of automation than we have in cars already today. They have always been ahead of us. But uh, again, uh, we will get more automation here uh, until fully autonomous aircrafts. And this will then also change the relationship between a pilot and an aircraft. Smart homes, digital environments, um, that is one that is coming up. Um, smart homes are clearly behind the estimated schedule. This has a couple of reasons. First of all, who is responsible for what? If I build a new house, all right, um, I say yes. Um, there may be the architect planning the entire thing, and um, then there are the craftsmen, the electricians that put it in there. But who is responsible when you have a house that is already existing and you want to equip it with smart foam equipment? There is a couple of problems. This is why we're behind there. But we will live in a fully digital world in a foreseeable time frame. So this is core as well. And then wearables and consumer devices. Clearly one thing. So in 2007, um, as I said, the iPhone came out. He wrote this book in the same year or published the book in the same year. There has been many, many changes. Uh, there's a lot of new things uh, that happened uh, in there. And um, yes, so uh, uh, this is one where many, many things have happened since 2007, but um, also a huge area of future work that we have to to think about what i like about donald norman is that he has a proactive position towards all these things he believes that we as humans can design technology we're not victims of the development we are stirring the development we are doing this we are pushing it forward and we have a constantly changing landscape of design of technology of human technology interaction with a growing network, with more artificial intelligence, with more autonomy in certain interactions. And this will then change the interaction paradigms. And uh, four points, uh, three points. Three points that he mentions uh, as, as key thoughts and insights um, out of uh, the, 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 this book of, of Donald Norman. It's the complexity and, and simplicity. We have enormous complexity in technology. And what we do with HMIs is we simplify this by reducing this complexity, but on the surface. So humans want to have, users want to have this high complexity of their products, but want to have it easy. So... We are creating the idea of easy interaction, although we have an enormous complexity in technology. Donald Norman's uh, idea of uh, in the design of future things is uh, that he says we need to create intuitive and trustful products. And I think this is very good, intuitive. We all have an idea of what intuitivity is but also trustful products, that it behaves in a way I expect it to behave, that it does the things in the way I expect it to do, that is, that there are no surprises in there. 
Trust and reliability is the second point. Uh, with more and more um, automation, uh, up to full autonomy of certain technologies, we need to create trust and reliability. So users need to trust these technologies. If you get into an autonomous car, if you put your child into an autonomous car, you need to fully trust this technology and this technology needs to be absolutely reliable. And the third point is the human dimension. Humans puts a focus on his stresses, the necessity, uh, the need for to, to take a close look at, at human psychology and human experiences. This needs to be in the focus of the design process. So if you want to have technology that is not anyhow strange to users, but trustful, then you need to have a very close look on human abilities, needs, wishes, dreams, experiences. That needs to be the focus of thinking in a design process. All right, so that's it for today. I talked about Donald Norman, oh, one of the big guys in human factors, usability, user experience design. I had three books of him that I quickly summarized and analyzed. The Design of Everyday Things with a focus on usability. Emotional Design, Why We Love or Hate Everyday Things with a focus on user experience. And The Design of Future Things where he talks about what's next, what's coming up, what's in here for our future. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.